0: Hey, Kevin. Oh, there we go. I keep saying good morning. Good morning. I could talk about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday, trying to get my microphone to work. Are there any Bengals or Rams? We got Rams people in the house. That's exciting because that's not my team. So I don't care that much. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm, you know, I'm a Seahawks and Aaron's a Raiders. I know. How can that be? It's still boggles my mind. Anyways, that's not why we're here to talk about today. (laughs) Today we're talking about, but before I start, I just had a a tangent. In the prayer room this morning, uh, Kay was praying specifically about the idea that there are things happening in the spiritual realm that we can't see, things going on that we don't see. And God is at work and there are angels. And I just thought, how interesting that in worship that comes through that it was something we prayed for, that our eyes would be open to it. And then today in worship, the Holy Spirit just kind of reiterates that. So, Holy Spirit, God, there's so much we don't understand happening around us, but we say yes and amen to what you are doing. And we agree, Lord, we want, we just say, Thank you for being at work in ways that even we don't understand or comprehend. So thank you, Lord. So the last, last week we spoke about being an orphan or an outsider, how um, sometimes we can feel that way, that we're the orphan, we're the outsider. And Moses, we use Moses as an example of that. He even named his own kid, I'm a stranger in a foreign land. Even Moses kind of had to deal with some of that, just like we can deal with that. And I want to speak more today about being orphans and outsiders. But specifically today, I want to speak about the spirit of adoption. So the enemy of our souls would say, you're not worthy to be seen or heard. We have to fend for ourselves. I forgot my clicker. Oh, you've got it. Okay. Next slide. Thank you. Or the next, there we go. I'm not wanted. I'm defective. Something is wrong with me. The problems in my family are my fault, I'm incompetent or insignificant, my needs will never be met, I need to fend for myself, fight for all I've got, or simply I'm alone. So this idea, this robs us of joy, it robs us of seeing that God is at work and that we're adopted and we're his kids and he's looking out for us. God's got our back. Jesus said before he returned, or before his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm not going to abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And he was speaking about that promise that he has for us. So that's the good news. As we talk about some painful things or tough things or hard things, just remember, God doesn't leave us. Jesus doesn't leave us. Jesus is with us hallelujah. So, and specifically, in numerous occasions, especially the Apostle Paul speaks about a spirit of adoption. And that's what I want to emphasize and speak about today is the theme for this month is no longer orphans. And as we give to orphans and people around us who need attention, we remember that we also at times have been orphans or outsiders or at one time we're an orphan or outsider, but we received a spirit of adoption. I would like you all to read Ephesians one, three through seven with me out loud, because when you when you start talking about adoption and what God does in that process, it creates praise. And so let's open our mouths and read together. All praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chosen Christ, us holy and without faults in his eyes. Sorry, I read it wrong. (laughs) God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Hallelujah. So God made this advance decision to adopt us into his family, into his own family, it says. I was reading some statistics about people, uh, statistics about what keeps people from adopting. And just so you don't think my math is wrong, the respondents could respond to more than one question, one answer, okay? So that's why the percentages don't add up. <laughs> 28% of the respondents never thought about it. 25% said it's too expensive. 23, no desire. Another 23, prefer to have biological children. 14% say the spouse doesn't want to. 11% don't know where to begin. So never thought about it. Too expensive. No desire. Prefer something else. Don't know where to start. Guess what? God's thoughts about adoption are not in this survey. Hallelujah. And God knew from the beginning, in advance, that he wanted to adopt you. Nothing is too expensive for God. God desires you, wants you, God prefers you, and God knows where to start with us. Hallelujah. God knows where to start with that stuff inside of us that really needs God's attention. The letter to Ephesians says that before the world, he loved us, chose us, forgave us, and decided to adopt us and purchase our freedom. Psalm 149 says the Lord delights in his people. He delights in us. Psalm 139 says God's thoughts about you cannot be numbered. We can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Isn't that amazing when you get to go to the beach and you just get to sink your toes into the sand or watch it run with the wind blowing it through your fingers. I mean, those are God's thoughts towards you. Sometimes, and this always makes me sad. I'm like, Lord, help me know where to start with this with my own kids. Because um, sometimes they apologize when, when something's hard. And and they are concerned about my responsibility for them. I think about maybe we stay up really late for them. Um, Maybe one of the cars broke down or someone lost really valuable keys. Those things have never happened at our house, right? Maybe they're sick and throwing up, you know, and we're all tired because we've all been doing it for days. Maybe it's the cost of something that we've purchased for them. Maybe it's helping them through a conflict with a friend. And, and, every, and our kids will say, I'm so sorry, you have to deal with this. And we're just like, how could you say that? How could you say that, honey? I appreciate your consideration of me, but we were born for this. <laughs> we're born to do this together. Dig keys out of dumpsters, retainers out of garbage cans. I don't know, whatever it is, this is what we do together this is my greatest privilege. This is what I want to do with you. Now, some of us, many of us don't grow up with families like that, right? Many of us grow up in families where we don't feel wanted or we don't feel like our parents, they consider us an afterthought or a nuisance or Worse, even worse, which I have friends who've had this happen to them. Their parents treat them like the enemy. It's just, it's heartbreaking. But God isn't that kind of parent. God decided from the beginning, I'm calling you my daughter. I'm calling you my son. You're mine. I plan, I know what to do. I know how to start. I know how to begin to care for you. I wanna talk about four things that happen when we're adopted into God's family. The first thing that happens is you get a new birth certificate. I love it, which legally, before all the powers that be, in heaven and on earth, declares that you have a new name and a new identity. Interestingly, in the natural, when you're adopted, your nature doesn't change. Nothing about who you are changes externally, but your status changes, right? It's a change of status. Holding Out Help is an organization that I love. They help um, people who want to transition out of polygamy cultures into more mainstream society, they help them with, with all sorts of needs, food, housing, education, health care, all sorts of things. It's an amazing organization, you should support them holding out help. Anyways, uh, something very, very common for them with people coming from a fundamentalist polygamous culture is they don't have birth certificates, they don't have driver's licenses. They, some of them, um, do, not even exactly sure what name, because their names have changed. So recently they had a group of sisters come and say, will you help us get, get documentation? So imagine you're an adult and you have to find all of these things for the first time in your life. And the lawyers and the legal team help them because without them, you can't vote. You can't secure and hold a job. You can't participate in the larger culture. And they get this birth certificate. And they get this legal identity. And all these women, they said, we want new names. And they put new names on their birth certificate. This happens in the Bible when people encounter Jesus, who encounter God, Abraham, and became Abraham. Sarah became Sarah. I don't know. That's probably not how they said it there, but they got that Jehovah in them. (laughs) Simon became Peter. Saul became Paul. Who do we become when we're adopted into the kingdom? Isaiah 43, one says, Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Those sisters who went to holding out help, there was redemption for, for some of the stuff that they'd been missing in their past. They were redeemed. When you receive a spirit of adoption, you belong to God. You're no longer alone, abandoned, rejected. You're no longer your own even. God says, I've called you by name, you are mine. In Roman times, back when the New Testament was written, when Paul uses all this language of adoption and the spirit of adoption, and it actually hasn't changed, but the person who was adopted Um, in the eyes of all of the government became a legitimate child in the new family. And they completely lost, not only did they lose all the debt associated with them, all of the um, legal ramifications, just whatever status they had as debt holders was completely canceled when they were adopted. And um, they also lost the rights of whoever it was with a family they were part of before. And then when they came into that new family, they had new rights, new blessings, new inheritance, potentially new debt, depending on what family they came into. So it was a complete change. And the old family was abolished as if it didn't even exist. That's a question for us today. What debts, obligations, rights, customs, thinking. I mean, it doesn't always happen this way, right, in adoption today. We don't always have to lose everything, but there are some things we need to lose. What is it that we need to lose from our old identity, our old family, our old way of being? The chap- Chapter three of the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and, and Nicodemus is like, what do I have to do to be part of the kingdom? And Jesus says, you must be born again. you got to be born again. we got to be born of the spirit. That's part of be, the spirit of adoption. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I like to watch parenting resource on YouTube called Empowered to Connect. It's for people who are adopting and fostering. And I think it just has in general, really good parenting advice. So when I'm having trouble, I'll often go to to Empowered to Connect. Like, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? What might these folks say? So I can learn something new with how, try something new with parenting my kids but they talk, adoption experts talk a lot about attachment theories and how to help children attach. And oftentimes, if you have friends adopting, when they first get their um, babies, they'll kind of go into this cocooning period where for months and months and months, they're like, we're just hanging out with our kid, no one else for a while, because we want this child to know that This child is ours and we belong to this child. And we're the first source, we're the first place of provision. And this child is the apple of our eye. Like they're just like focused in this time and and it's like a rebirth process. And parents are really protective and experts are really protective about this time. It's almost like a reenacting of the first few months of life. They even do it with teenagers. And older kids, because if that child never had that opportunity with their parent, they still need that kind of undivided attention. That's why as adults and teenagers, when we sometimes ex- experience trauma, what do we do? We roll up in a fetal position, right? Because we're that anxious, that afraid. And God's saying, I want to connect with you. I want you to be born again. How beautiful that baptism, I've been thinking about baptism as a sign of being born again, coming up out of the waters, being rebirthed. It's just, it's beautiful. We're literally born again. We even begin to look like Jesus and look like we're in the family of God. We had a friend growing up, they were white from Minnesota and they adopted a little girl with dark hair and brown skin from um, Guatemala. And she also was deaf. So they have this little child with them and they, they love on this little child. And you know what is incredible? Because she had to learn to communicate, learn sign language, learn to communicate again with her family, specifically with her mom, taught her the sign language. She had the exact same facial expressions as her mom. She had the same movements with her body. And it's like, you have this little brown girl and this white woman and they look identical. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful that this is what happens in the kingdom. We look so different and yet there's something about our mannerisms, something about the way we communicate, where we look like we're part of the family of God. Isn't that cool? I remember one time I met some friends in Utah County, a lady, hardly know her. I moved back here. Some believers were washing her windows down in Utah County. I've told this story before, but it still blows my mind. These two brothers are washing windows in Utah County. It's like two years later. And this woman says, do you know Sarah Rudd? To the window washers. Because they'd been talking about Jesus, though. And they're like, yes, we know her. And because they went to the, the, our church at this time. And she's like, it, she's like the same spirit on her is on you. What? <laughs> nice to know I have something in common with the window washers. It's because we speak and we act like we're part of this family that's different, that's new. The second thing that happens When we're adopted, when we receive a spirit of adoption, is we get the Father's presence and affection. In our small group on Friday night, we started reading Psalm 139. And because I printed it out and it looked different, it looked all new to me because it was on a piece of paper and it wasn't out of my Bible. I was like, this is incredible. This is what God's, this is what we know about God. God's, we say, you know, when I sit down or stand up, we're surrounded by you. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away, God. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say, even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. That's, that's God's presence. It's like before, behind, it's the Macarena. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, that was really cheesy. (laughs) I was just like, you know, ooh, he's everywhere. (laughs) I'm I'm losing it today. John 15, nine. As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. There's affection, there's touch, John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's joy in God's love. There's joy so we can make silly jokes. Here's a beautiful one, Psalm twenty seven ten. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. The Lord holds us close. We get affection and attention and presence with God. The third thing that we get when we receive a spirit of adoption we're joint heirs with Christ. And so we have the work and the inheritance of being heirs in Christ. So, what is an heir? An heir is a person who's legally entitled to the property or rank. Of another on that person's death. It's also a person who inherits and continues the legacy of a predecessor. So there's this idea that you receive this inheritance, but you also walk and you you receive a legacy and you can continue it if you want to. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. It's like saying, Papa, God, Daddy. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child, And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. We're heirs. Jesus consistently modeled this. You see this specifically in the Gospel of John. He's always talking about God the Father, me and the Father, the Father and I. And he's just talking about this relationship as a son of God and the Father. In John 4.34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 5, 19 through 20 says, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Now we see patterns of this with our kids, right? We see our kids where, what are the most popular toys? I I couldn't believe some of my kids' most popular toys were like the brooms and the mops or the kitchen utensils or the little hammer and the little carpentry things or the little stethoscope where your little toddlers are running around and trying to hear your hearts just like the doctors do you know those little toys there's something about kids they just say i just want to do what my parents are doing computers and fake phones right that's that's the other one is laptops and phones cuz I'm gonna do what my parents are doing. There's something about us from the beginning that is just wired in us to wanna do what God does, do the work of the Father. And the enemy comes in and says, oh, you're on your own. You gotta do it differently. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. And and no, it's like, I wanna do what God is doing. In Genesis we start out with partnering with God, right? In the garden, tending the garden, naming the animals. When Jesus came and starts his ministry, does he do, he's first he's in a family and then he's with his disciples. Let's do this together. He doesn't want to do this stuff alone. Early church leader, Augustine of Hippo wrote this, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. So it's not just that we want to do it with God. God chose in advance to adopt us because God wants to do stuff with us and be with us. We have a legacy. And then we have an inheritance to enjoy. First Peter 1, three through four. All praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by, there's that praise thing again. Again. It's exciting. It makes you want to praise. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Hallelujah. This is a heavenly inheritance. When we talk about battles, when we talk about inheritance, we're talking about in the spiritual realm, in that realm that we cannot see. And it comes to earth, but it's like a whole new world is opened up to us. It's so amazing. The fourth thing that happens when we become part of a family is we become secure Members in a family. We don't just call out to, to God, Dad, Abba, Father, but we have brothers and sisters in the family, right? There was a newer family that came to our church. They had little toddlers. Um, they're not here today, but these cute kids hadn't, hadn't gone to church before. And so they left church and went to a family gathering afterwards. And they, somebody was like asking them something like this, like, where were you? And the kids were like, we were with our church cousins. <laughs> we're at church with our church cousins. It's like, they didn't know how to describe what was happening here. So they called us church cousins. And I love it. Whenever I see them, I'm like, hey, church cousins. So good to see you. Psalm 68, six. God sets the lonely in families. There are cousins and crazy aunts and grumpy uncles. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 12, 18. Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. There's this idea that God puts us together with all our quirks, with all our funny DNA, with all our different colors personalities he fits us together and places us exactly how he sees fit isn't that amazing it's it's really incredible god knows what you need god knows that i need you god knows that you need me and you need him and you need her you're like but i don't like him i don't like her God knows what we need. Now there are boundaries and learning to work together, right? You have to be careful. I'm not saying that you just put up with anything, just like we don't in our normal families, right? <laughs> but God places us together. I love Kelly Jo. Kelly Joe has this puzzle at home um, that she's putting together and the adoption process that she's in. So she's been working really hard, really hard for the last two years, long before that, but especially the last two years with home studies and all this kind of stuff um, to adopt a child from South Africa. Um, she has some connections there and she felt like God led her to do that. And so she's putting together this picture from an African um, watering hole And on the back of every one of these pieces is the name of someone who has given to her financially or in some way for this adoption. Each one of those pieces has someone's name on it. And I just love that. I love that, and um, in the entryway at the place where you can learn more about giving to Kelly Jo's Adoption Fund, we've left a bunch of puzzle pieces, not the ones to that puzzle, to a different puzzle, but you can take the pieces home and you can put them on your fridge or in your desk or in your ring or your jewelry or your whatever, your junk, uh, somewhere where you see it, not the junk drawer. (laughs) Put put it somewhere where you see it. Just put it somewhere where every time you open it, I did this once for a friend who was adopting. I bought them an article of clothing, and I put it in my laundry room because I'm always doing laundry. And it was there so I could always see it and pray for this baby. And that's what we can do with these puzzle pieces for Kelly Jo. And what I love about this, though, is it shows how we're all doing this together that she's bringing this baby into a family. If you ever have to fill out an adoption form recommendation for someone, they don't just ask you about the person is adopting them, they ask you about the grandparents, the family. Do they have enough family support? Do they have enough connections and community? I think this puzzle is gonna be an incredible gift to that child when they see everyone who came together to support this baby. God sets us in place. Galatians 6.10 says that we're part of a family of believers. Ephesians 2 says we're members of the household of God. We come together in a family. Family provides a safe space for others. So we have this interesting thing with our kids where... um, when they were little and we'd take them to school and you're like, I don't know. You know, you're a parent at home with these crazy toddlers. You're like, how are they gonna function in society? <laughs> like, I don't know, are they gonna make it? And so I was really concerned and and sent, the, sent them off to school and I was so blessed and thankful. I mean, some days were bad. But most of the times the teachers would say, oh, you're doing a great job. You just keep it up. Just keep it up. You got this. You can do this. Thank you for those encouraging teachers. But I tell you, every single time I picked up those kids from school and they got in the back seat, they had meltdowns, (laughs) just royal meltdowns. And I thought, surely they can't be doing okay at school if we were having these kind of meltdowns the minute I picked them up. And I learned something interesting from some parenting tip that my little toddler or preschooler was doing everything he or she could do all day long to hold themselves together and have self-control and cooperate and be polite, but they just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> the minute they got in the car, they had to let loose <laughs> all those feelings. And it, I was like, oh my goodness, it's true. They got out all their little anxieties. They got out all of their little frustrations, their little fears, and they calmed down. They calmed down. And you know why they could do that with me is because I was a safe place. We have to be that way. We have to have patience with one another when we unleash (laughs) our emotions. And and hopefully we're maturing. You know, that was preschool. They don't do this anymore. Thank God, you know, to that extent. Now it looks a little different. But hopefully we provide a safe place that if one of us has a bad day, we have grace for one another. We're safe. We're like, it's going to be okay. I love you. We can make it. We can do this. There's comfort and ease in the family. Nothing made me happier than one day I walked into my living room and and my son's friend was just sleeping in the middle of the floor. (laughs) I just thought, oh, he's out. And he stayed there like for an hour or two. And I was just like, that makes me so happy. that my kid's friend is happy and at ease in our home on the floor, (laughs) just made me happy. I was listening to um, Salma Hayek, a Mexican actress, lover. She said, she's talking about someone and she says, it's called sobre mesa. You know, it's over the, around the table that you, families, you don't just eat at the table, you sit there and you linger and you talk and you make dumb jokes and you ask hard questions. And long, bef- long after dinner is done, you're still sitting there talking away. And Salma says that if you do this, you're a Mexican, but I think other people can do it too. <laughs> um, it's not just a gift to the person being, when, when, when the spirit of adoption happens, when someone is adopted, it's not just a gift for the person being adopted, it's a gift to the family, right? So we have a lot of adoption in our family, in Aaron's family. He has a very blended family, you could say, because his oldest brother is a half-brother, 18 years older than him, 18. The next one, when Aaron was about two, uh, this eight-year-old friend of uh, this family member, kind of loosely associated with the family, came and lived with Jack and Kay, his name was Dion. And then um, the next brother had Down syndrome and then Aaron was born. So it was quite a a blended family or a different makeup of family members of boys, but they still had all the same sibling challenges and conflicts and rivalries and games in the woods and adventures, skiing and camping and road trips and just all of those things they did together. So even while they were different or had some atypical dynamics, they were just like every other family, piling in to a Winnebago, going across the country. Yeah, I don't know, whatever the stories are. It's been interesting, you, um, the, his brother who was adopted, Dion, he's right now, Aaron's half-brother lives in California. Um, Dion lives also in California. But uh, since that time, Jack has passed away, Aaron's dad has passed away, Jay has passed away. And as different as Dion might be from us naturally, or the way he thinks, or what he does, or his gifts. He's an artist, and Aaron isn't an artist, and you know, just all these little different things and their character traits. I just, I could cry now because of how important Dion has become to our family. He's important to me because of how important he is to Aaron. When you start to lose members of your family, right, when you lose people you love in your family, the ones you have just You're just so thankful. And Dion is that brother. He's such a blessing to our family. What would we do without Dion? I can't even imagine. When we're adopted, we are a blessing to our siblings. We're a blessing to those around us. All these years later, Oh, hold on. I want to read Romans eight fourteen through seventeen. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. There's something about adoption that includes suffering, right? It's, if, if we've been adopted, there's been suffering that we've experienced in our family. And God knows about that suffering. God wants to, to be with us in our suffering, but we also share in Christ's suffering. There's an intimacy and a connection in the glorious times and in the suffering times. God's kids, family, we fight the hardest and we love the fiercest, right? (laughs) And that causes all sorts of things that are hard, but it's beautiful. There's a spirit of adoption available today for us. And I just like to close with an invitation. Um Yeah, I have one more thing to say after I close, but um, there's an invitation today to receive a spirit of adoption. We get to, we get to receive that. Um, interestingly, um, Dion wasn't ever officially adopted as a child. He um, just lived with the Rudds and they had guardianship, I think of him for many years, but even up until he was in his forties, we were s- struggling to get him, help him find his passport and all of these things and get his legal documents and all of this stuff in order. Um, he was adopted, but we get to decide to be adopted. We get to s- decide, do we wanna receive? a spirit of adoption? Do I want to be born again into God's family? Do I want to receive this new identity? So if that's you today, I just would encourage you to, um, we're going to have a prayer team over here at the end of um, service, and there are people online. Um, If you reach out to us, we'd love to get together and talk with you, but I'm going to just close with a prayer where we can pray that to receive a spirit of adoption. And um, so let's do that. So Lord, I just thank you that long before creation, that in advance, it was your desire, it was your pleasure, it was your joy. It is what you wanted to do was to adopt us and to bring us into your family. Thank you that there's a spirit of adoption that we can receive, that we don't have to be orphans, that we don't have to be outsiders, but we can be sons and daughters. And I just pray today, Lord, areas in my life where I'm like an orphan or I am like an outsider, God, I want to turn from that. I want to change from that. I want to be born again. I want to receive an inheritance. I want to walk as one of your kids in the kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming today. Um, God bless you. I have a bunch of handouts that I was going to pass out earlier, but I things went a little different than I anticipated. So I'm going to stand at the exit and, and hand out, give you these handouts. And um, what, what they are is they have, they illustrate, it's a table that shows when I'm acting like an orphan and when I'm acting like a kid. And even when we act like orphans, we're kids, right? Even, even, even when we act like we're always God's kids, So have that assurance, have that security. But you have the rights of the kids. So you can act like the kids if you want to. (laughs) So I'm gonna hand those out to you and you can take them home and you can pray and you can journal and you can be still before the Lord and you can be quiet and say, God, um, show me where I have a greater inheritance. Amen? Okay, God bless you.